Hello, 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 and welcome back to the More Money Podcast. This is your host, Jessica Morehouse, and this is episode 381 of the podcast. And I've got a special episode for you. This is a, no, I was going to say live. It's not a live. It's pre-recorded, but I did it live in person with my guest. I haven't done that in years, and I feel like it was such a, you know, I kind of miss doing the in-person interviews. Believe me, if I had more resources. And (laughs) let's just say resources. I would have a video podcast. I would do these things in person. I am just not that uh, wealthy or famous to to, to have that. I'm not a celebrity, basically, so I can't really do that. So virtual is how I uh, am able to have guests from all over the world on this show. But luckily, my next guest lives in my city of Toronto, and I'm talking about Adrian Barr. You may already be familiar with him because he has over 100, I think now it's like 120,000 subscribers on YouTube, maybe even more by this point. And he is the founder and host of the YouTube channel Canadian in a T-shirt. And, you know, he talks talks about, unsurprisingly, Canadian personal finance, investing, taxes, credit cards, how to start a business, anything to do with finance, entrepreneurship, side hustles, everything. But for Canadians specifically, which I, um, you know, that I the feedback I get most often from listeners is, oh, hey, I found your podcast and I was looking for something Canadian and there's so much American stuff out there. And yeah, it's true. And so hey, I'm not knocking it. There's some great uh, personal finance content by Americans. I mean, I have a lot of American, you know, uh, friends uh, who I've known for years that are doing some amazing stuff who've been featured on this podcast. But sometimes you want, uh, you know, some Canadian stuff, some Canadian content, something that's applicable to you. And that is what we're going to talk all about and then some. So you're in for a treat. So without further ado, let's uh, get chatting. But before I get to that interview, I want to share a little bit more information about my online course that you may not even know about, but it's been around for almost three years called Wealth Building Blueprint for Canadians. It's a course I built specifically with you Canadian listeners in mind who want to learn how to do passive investing like I've been talking about for years on the show. If you want to get rich slowly, invest for the long term, you don't want to day trade or dabble in something speculative like cryptocurrency or some hot stocks that you find online. You just want to make sure you can retire one day or, you know, save enough for buying a home. And this course can help you. It is specifically about all the fundamentals you need to know about investing as a Canadian. But then I also show you how to build a strategic investment plan and then how to invest in your own portfolio by way of either using a robo-advisor or doing it on your own from scratch. There's lots of worksheets and calculators and spreadsheets that you will not find anywhere else on the internet, hence why I had to build them myself, but also get lifetime access as well as access to the private Facebook group, my monthly Q&A sessions for students, a private email you can contact me with, and you also get a private one-on-one session with me when you finish the course as well. There are so many benefits to the course, so I highly recommend going to jessicamorehouse.com course to find more information and to apply. Again, that's jessicamorehouse.com slash course to learn more and to apply. Welcome, Adrian, to the More Money Podcast. So excited to have you on. We've tried to record this intro several times and we keep on <laughs> getting distracted and talking about other things. Right. We have a we podcast can go all day, to record. Yeah. We can be here all day. I know. We are talkers. We are talkers. Yep. Um, well, I'm so excited to have you uh, on the show, your second ever podcast. I feel very yes, uh, grateful and very exciting for anyone who's listening. You were in my studio. And by yes. studio, I mean my basement with my toilet paper. But <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a studio nonetheless. Um, and 
yeah, this is exciting. I have not recorded a in-person interview. I've got to say in like five years, like there was, there was a time where I'd even for a few special people, I traveled to them. Wow. I mean, within Toronto, I'm not (laughs) going outside of the city, but you have standards. Yeah. Yeah. I've got standards, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. So I'm so excited that you're, you're here. We're doing it live. Thank you. And for anyone who doesn't know, you've got the really awesome YouTube channel called Canadian and Indie T-shirt. Let's start there. What is, what's with the name? Where, where that stem from? Sure. Well, well, Jessica, thank you so much for having me. It's my absolute pleasure being here. Again, this is my second ever podcast. I'm totally new to this kind of world and kind of just doing things more live, unscripted, kind of like, you know, unfiltered. Mm -hmm. So this is fun and and I'm really excited to be here. So thank you so much. Um, Yeah. So mine, I mean, I started my YouTube channel, Canadian in a T-shirt. Uh, over four years ago now, wow. and um, the reason why, I mean the the reason why I named it that way. Well, there's a few reasons. One is when I first started on YouTube, there were only like maybe two or three other Canadian focused mm. finance YouTubers out there that at least that I knew of. Most the vast majority of the other finance YouTubers were U.S. focused, and they were you know a lot of them were great. They taught you know good kind of fundamental general topics, but a lot of them were more like U.S. focused, like you know Roth IRAs, four hundred one k's, all that kind of stuff. Which Canadians, it's like speaking Greek to them, mm-hmm. right? So I wanted to emphasize that I am Canadian, mm-hmm. and I wanted to only ever really just dial in on the Canadian audience, yeah. right? So Canadian in a t-shirt, I want to emphasize that I'm Canadian on day one. <laughs> and then in a t-shirt because that that's who I am. Like I'm <laughs> I'm not a fancy guy wearing a fancy suit, sitting yeah. in a fancy office yeah. on the 50th floor. I'm just an average Canadian, an average guy. I wear a t-shirt, I wear jeans. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not trying to impress people. I'm not trying to use big fancy terminology to make myself sound smart and yeah. to like intimidate other people. Mm-hmm. I speak down to earth. Yep. I want to be as like relatable and approachable and accessible to people who are starting from square one. So that's why I started Canadian in a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Also, I mean, funny story, it was I, another kind of side quest, I guess, <laughs> was I wanted to be like, I, I love collecting like geeky t-shirts with like, you know, like Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings, Star Wars, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff on. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my friends were actually designing t-shirts. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to like sell their t-shirt designs. Um, and it, it's been four years later and I haven't set up merch yet. <laughs> So <laughs> even though that was like one of my first like in, like revenue streams I planned out yeah. four years down the line, I haven't really, you know. Yeah, you should probably do that. I really should. There's and actually I, a way with not to plug Shopify, but you can set up a Shopify shop and connect it to your yeah, YouTube. Yeah, 100%. I, I know that the barrier to entry is so low yeah. and there's no excuse for me not to have done it yet. Yeah. But I keep getting caught up in other projects and Canadian stuff. Canadian in a t-shirt. It t-shirt. sells itself. It sells really. Itself. Like it's the work is already done. So <laughs> I have no excuse. It's my probably one of my biggest sources of embarrassment. The fact that I <laughs> I haven't done this yet. But it's it's coming. Hopefully by uh, by maybe by Christmas. Yeah. Maybe for the Christmas season. You I never feel know. like that's a good idea. I, I can't make any promises. So don't yeah, hold no, me to yeah. it. But <laughs> yeah, che- people check and you're like still not there. <laughs> that's amazing. That's awesome. And honestly, like only four years and you've like I just checked your subscribers. You have like a hundred and forty thousand. Yeah. You're gonna be reaching two hundred k soon. Oh, I don't know about like, that. But it's I mean, yeah, do you get any? Do you get a special plaque for every hundred k? Or no, is no, it no? no. So, so when I reached hundred k, which was yeah. I think January. December mm-hmm. just this past couple months ago. Well, I guess now nine ago. months ago. Yeah, almost <laughs> yeah. a year ago now. Uh, that was for me a huge milestone, right? So you get the you get the silver plaque from YouTube when you reach 100k. Mm. The next plaque is a million. You oh. get a gold plaque. And I mean, Canada has what 40 million people. Yeah. So I doubt that I'm going to be able to reach a million Canadians. That's a, that's a big so jump. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Right. But yeah. hey, you know what? You never know. You never know. I, I love. I I've been doing this for four years now, and I still love it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I plan on doing this until until they kick me out really. Yeah. yeah so maybe yeah. one day I'll reach the, the the one mil plaque. But at this point, it's kind of like 
I don't know. Subscribers, it's yeah. kind of more like a vanity metric. I don't hundred percent. I my my and I think we agree on this. Yeah. Like we don't really care about like how many subscribers we have, how no. many followers we have. Yeah. We we would rather have like a loyal and yeah. engaged following, yeah. right? Even if it's a smaller following, yeah. I'd rather have like you know ten thousand ride or dies who yeah. watch every video and comment on every mm -hmm. video and like like interact with me yeah. on a daily basis, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's way better than having. 500,000 strangers and they only like watch sporadically once mm -hmm. in a while right mm -hmm. and also I find with the people that do have like those bigger channels ooh the 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 trolls and the critics oh or the, the bots <laughs> I mean the bots are endless the oh bots. my goodness yeah I know yeah. So yeah, I'm curious, just like out of like just personal curiosity, because hopefully one day in like ten years I'll yeah. get my my hundred k black. Um, does like Google like reach out to you to be like, hey, we saw that, and then they like do you like did, is that well, how it happens? They, yeah. Or? So so they sent me an email when I when I you know maybe it was like a week or two after you reached hundred k. Mm -hmm. so they want to make sure that you didn't like buy the followers or whatever oh, yeah, to, yeah. to get that. Because I know there's a few of my kind of friends or colleagues who are like really close to 100k yeah. and they're like they're trying to do anything they can to kind of bump up uh -huh. up but I'm saying just, just be patient you're gonna get yeah. there anyway yeah. so after a couple of weeks after you've reached 100k you get an email from YouTube from Google mm. and they say like, here enter your name mm. uh, it will send you the plaque here's the address right mm -hmm. and then like a couple maybe like four or five weeks later yeah. it came in the mail you know Ooh. a big black box with Google on it oh, and then it was, a, it was a and it's shiny like it's a silver shiny plaque Ooh, is it heavy? Not really. It's oh, very okay. light. It's very light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I need, I'm always, every time I put it in the back, like on my bookshelf behind my studio, yeah. I'm always worried it's going to tip over. But so I need to like, I need to kind of it. set up something to like stick yeah. it in place. But I wonder, do, do you know why some YouTubers have like over 100K? Like I've seen some people that have like 200K and they like, don't have the check mark. Is that like a different thing? Oh, the check no, mark in the I, back? There's I some people the, that don't yeah, have the check no, mark. That, that was also, once you reached, I think yeah. it was 100K some threshold. Some people don't have it. I don't know why. Interesting. I'm not know. sure about that. No, it's a yeah. tangent. For, that has nothing to do with anything. I'm just I didn't have to you. apply for that. I think that the check mark it just, just happened. happened. Yeah, Ooh, yeah, yeah. Instagram check mark. I had to pay for that. Yeah. You know so. what? But hey, do you have less like uh, spammy oh, kind of things? No, no, right? It, it's yeah. worth the money, and it's a it business is. expense. And I, I think it's fine. Yeah. Like it's it's. I believe me. If I could have paid for it, um, yeah. when I had all of my spam <laughs> accounts, I sure as heck would have. I remember that there was a time where I think wanted to tag you or something in a picture, and there was like. There was seven Jessica Morehouse I Instagram know. accounts. It was getting, I'm like, which one is her? I'm it not, was lucky getting, I follow you, so I know. It but. was getting a bit yeah. crazy. Yeah, that's wild. So you started your channel four years ago, which is amazing. What was the goal? Was it just a hobby? Because like I know now this is what yeah. you do full time. This yeah. is your career. But before you were working. And what did you do for work? And did it have anything to do oh, with personal all, finance? No. So it, it, again, my YouTube channel started purely as a passion project. Yeah. So I was working. I mean, I've been a, my career has been a roller coaster. Of, <laughs> I wanted to be a cardiac surgeon at one point, a quantum physics professor at yeah. one point. But for the last three, three and a half years of my career, I was working as an AI artificial intelligence like software engineer. I feel like that's a good career. It that's was like, a good, I loved I it. It still is. That's like I a good career. I loved my job. I loved my job. AI, right? It's all about AI right yeah, now. No, what did you really, do? Like, it's funny, like in a lot of ways, I could be making way more money <laughs> if I was sticking with AI. Than I'm, but, but again, I'm... There's there's no amount of money for me yeah. that's worth yeah, yeah, like yeah. working for someone else again. Yeah, Once you're your 100%. own boss, oh my, oh my god. god, that it's, freedom. It's literally their only motivation I have exactly, to work. Right? Like <laughs> I, I know who I know who I am. I know my capabilities. I'm a yeah. workaholic no matter what. Yeah, right? Yeah. If I'm gonna be a, work, a workaholic, I want all those blood, sweat, and tears yeah. to be worth it for some. I want to be the one yeah. to reap those rewards, right? Yeah. So yeah, so I, I when I started, I was an AI engineer. Nothing to do with finance, right? But what I did was I would um, we would we would basically do like three to four month projects where we would hire a new batch of co-op students. Mm -hmm. So every semester, every three mm -hmm. to four months, we'd hire like between six to to ten co-op students, 
And I was I was kind of like the unofficial manager of all of them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I really liked to do was uh, every Thursday I would do like little like kind of like unofficial lunch and learn sessions mm-hmm. where I would teach them like soft skills like how to write a resume, mm-hmm. interview skills, that kind of thing, right? But I also taught them about like the fundamentals of finance, like mm-hmm. how a credit card works, oh, how taxes so nice. work, how investing works. And they, the students yeah, ate that up. Because no one tells no anybody. No one ever taught them that. Like I wish parents, someone told me right? that. Yeah. And they loved it. Yeah. And like after every couple, every semester, a new batch of co-ops came in. I realized I was kind of giving the same speech again and again. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I mean, if I'm giving the same speech, why not just kind of like, you know, um, cement these lessons yeah. in video format? Yeah. So I did that and I put them up on YouTube. I never expected anyone to watch. It was mm. purely a hobby, purely a passion project. Mm-hmm. If anything, it was more to kind of like just share with my friends yeah. and like share with my students and stuff, right? And slowly, as the months went by, I started gaining traction. I remember uh, when I, I think I reached subscribe, but the first like 56 subscribers mm-hmm. were just friends and family. Yeah, yeah. And then my first n- subscriber number 57, his name was German Commando. <laughs> and I'm like, I have no idea who this person is, but thank you so much for subscribing. Like, that's amazing, right? Some random person found me and chose to follow me. And then as the months went by, you know, I kind of grew and grew. And then about like a year and a half later, I reached the thousand subscribers and I got my, I got accepted to the YouTube Partners Program where you can put, you know, you get a benefit from ads. Mm -hmm. And I got my very first paycheck from YouTube. It wasn't a lot. It was like $67, but I was like, oh my God. Oh my God, I'm rich. (laughs) I got a letter in the mail from, I got a check in the mail from Google. I remember when they sent checks. It was so cool. You know, they've changed that though. My, sure, I have yeah. my like YouTube um, channel for my podcast and I yeah. finally reached a thousand views. It's right. not good enough anymore. I can't monitor. Like I, oh. I don't make it. No. Now you have to have it's a certain amount of view and hours, hours yeah. and stuff like that. And I just don't have. So yeah. for me, it was. But uh, I thought it was time. like back in the time it was just like a thousand subscribers and then you're good to for go. For me, it was right? for I guess I was in the middle kind oh, of okay. segue. It was a thousand uh, subscribers and four thousand watch hours. Oh, okay, so okay, I actually okay. reached the thousand subscribers before I reached the four thousand watch hours. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so you're like waiting. Yeah, for, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. So and then and then, you know, as then, you know, I was still working yeah. full time for yeah. another year. Two years after that, and I got to the point where I was I was stretched so thin. I was working sixty hours a week in my job. Mm-hmm. I also had other business side like side businesses. Oh really? And then I was working another like thirty plus hours a week on YouTube. What were your right. side businesses? Uh, I did tutoring. I oh. still did some contract software development, so, yeah, contract web development uh, gigs. Yeah. Um, at one point, I had a. <laughs> Had a had a had a modeling gig for a while. No, well, what kind of modeling? Like uh, clothing or like art, like for arts art studios, like, oh, art, like art modeling. Shit. Yeah, so, like holding poses and stuff, yes. right? So that was kind of fun, and it was a good sort. I mean, it was it was a fun. It was a good workout. Wow. Uh, fun fun way to kind of meet people yeah. and, and and make some make some good money. It was a great great job while I was in, while I was a student. Hell yeah. Um, anyway, so I always had multiple things going yeah, on, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And I I was at the point where I was stretched so thin, and with YouTube and the YouTube ad revenue yeah. and affiliate income and all that kind of stuff, right? I was at the point where I was making enough, not no, no. nowhere near as much as my job, mm-hmm. obviously, but enough that I, I could reasonably kind of cover my living yeah. expenses. And this was uh, probably in the, still in the middle of pandemic, like lockdowns. Yeah. And a lot of my friends and close friends were actually like losing their yeah, jobs. Of course. Yeah. And here I am. I'm feeling like I'm at the point where like, I want to voluntarily quit my really good job. Yeah. And you're like, ooh. And I felt guilty for that. But. I, I I knew it was a risk, yeah. right? But I made the decision and I'm so glad I did. Mm-hmm. And also for me, it was a risk for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. But at the same time, like, you know, my, my, I had confidence that my, my employer mm-hmm. would be happy to take me back anytime, yeah, right? Not, yeah, of course. They're like, we, this is a growing industry. Exactly. We need all of our AI experts. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, so I, I felt comfortable taking that risk, but it definitely was scary. Yeah. And I'm so glad I did. Like now, yeah. you know, I'm still working nonstop. So it's been a couple of years since you yeah, left. Yeah, so now I've been full-time about two years now. Oh, wow. Uh, so like I, I still, I don't take 
weekends off. I'm working day. Yeah, I remember and I'm those always days. plugged in, right? I remember that. I days. have to start to like reel that. We'll have a chat about down. work yeah. life balance. I need after to work. This. That, I've been working on that for years and you know I, We need a yeah, I've got a book actually you need yes, to read. I have a, I'd appreciate I have that. a guest on my show, uh and I don't know when if it's going to be after this episode or before it. But anyways, right. I have a guest who wrote the book, uh, The Good Enough Job, and it's incredible. And you need to read it. I'm I gonna, think so. I think so. I'm I think I'm the, I'm the prototype <laughs> You need to read that. Yeah. 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 No, it's, yeah, that reminds me of me quitting my full-time job and yeah. doing a million things and not taking weekends. And then you, I don't want you to burn out. Cause I've been I've been through burnout multiple times. Yeah, right? we don't so want. I've already yeah, and seen, you know how bad it is. It's not we don't fun. Wanna, no, it's so we don't want to do that again. It's awful. It's the yeah. worst feeling in the world. And then I feel like I'm a bad friend. I'm not seeing my family. Yeah. I'm like neglecting my health. Like all, everything, right? And, <laughs> and <laughs> you know, I've got some we, solutions we yeah. for you. I'd appreciate that. Thank um, you. But you know, with that, I, I'm curious. You've been doing this for two years. What have you learned? Because I know a lot of people listening. You know, see, I, you see this on YouTube and social media. All this people tell like, quit your job and be oh. a content creator. Oh, People in I've been I was talking to someone the other day and they're like young people in school like in high school or middle school they aspire to be a content creator I've an influencer that. now and I'm like that is ter-. like in my view I'm like oh the oh world's ending no no so you know yeah. that's when, terrible when, when I was a kid it was like oh I want to be an astronaut I yeah. want to be a rock star I want to be a soccer player yeah or the now most it's like, it's like an actor now you want I want to be Mr Beast you're not and gonna you're be like, Mr Beast no one can be Mr Beast <laughs> and I don't know if I'd want to be Mr Beast he looks also t- you know he does a lot to maybe he, too much yeah and it's a lot of pressure and and like, like yeah. the thing I, the, for me, I don't want to have like 50 million subscribers. No. I want to be like, like very marginally famous in the yeah. sense that like yeah. every once in a while I get recognized on the street, yeah. Yeah. but I only get recognized by people who like me, yeah. by fans, oh, right? Yeah. I don't want to be recognized by someone who exactly. hates my video. I don't want to be like Kanye West where half the people love me, half the people yeah, hate no, me, right? I, no. I want to be able to go to a movie and enjoy myself, This is right? why we do what we want because yeah. we want to be loved. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's ultimately what we're doing. Something in her childhood made us not feel good enough, and now we're just trying to find that love externally. Oh well, my god! Well, no. Maybe not. Maybe, show. Not. Maybe yeah. not. Maybe not. But uh, so, uh, what has your experience been in, um, as like a content creator, starting full from time? scratch, like going from mm. doing it as a hobby to full time? What was that experience, and, and what have you changed in order to? I don't know, improve your revenue so you, you can, yeah. you know, make maybe not as much as your last job or, or maybe that's the goal is like, I want to meet that or, or right, what have you. Right. So, well, for me, it's interesting. Like, it's kind of a bit of a dichotomy because in one area, I was always treating it as a business yeah. in the sense that I was always keeping all receipts. I was doing yeah. tax deductible business expenses. Obviously, you're a finance I was, person. I'm of finance course person. you're doing it. I was it. tracking everything, all <laughs> yeah. the analytics, yeah. right? So I was always had that, that kind of like, you know, mentality of at any given moment, I know exactly what my, my net income is for the month yeah. and all that kind of stuff, right? But at the same time, I also really don't treat it like a business mm-hmm. in the sense that this has always been a passion project. Yeah. And I still... I, it's still something I'm, I'm passionate about. Like, mm-hmm. I, I I don't want to get to the point where I feel like I'm dreading filming a video. No. It does happen once in a while where, like, I'm yeah. just not feeling it. I'm exhausted. That's, that's but I normal need to produce content. it is a job. It is. Right? It, it really is. And so is, sometimes right? it feels like a job. That's okay. But, but you asked me, like, what has really changed? And yeah. to be honest, nothing really. Like, the thing that I love... Are you just, loved, like, making more videos? Is that the biggest shift? Or? Um, Not really. I mean... Honestly, the frequency of my videos hasn't really fluctuated. It hasn't really been. It's nowhere near yeah. as scheduled as you. I think you have like you have like a weekly upload schedule. Just for the podcast, not for the YouTube oh, okay, channel. Right. Let me tell you, it's been pretty desolate yeah. on the for, channel this year. For me, I try to do every two weeks. I'll make yeah. a public video, and then kind of in between, like yeah. uh, 
maybe once or twice a month, I'll make a members only video. But like, the thing is like, even from day one, my favorite aspect of the whole YouTube gig yeah. was the engagement with the audience yeah. and like responding to comments, answering do questions. Do you do that like every day? I, to this day, I still spend at least two to three hours every single day oh responding to comments oh, on YouTube. And I know that like, and, and people have told me this, other viewers have told me, mm-hmm. other YouTubers told me like, you're crazy. Like no one else does No, this, but that's part right? of it, right? And I'd say like that engagement is what brings 100%, people back. And again, I don't get paid from comments. I don't get paid for no. that. But like, well, one, I love it. Like I, yeah. I genuinely yeah, do yeah, yeah. love answering questions. Yeah. But two, I build such a fiercely loyal yeah. audience because I'm not just making a video and then be like, Peace okay, out. guys, see you next week. See yeah. you in two weeks, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Every, like if you scroll through all of my videos, even like my videos from four years ago, mm-hmm. and you scroll through almost every comment I've responded to, yeah, right? Yeah. And like, and I love, and like the thing is for me, it's like, like yes, I know I'm spending a lot of time every day doing this, and I and I could spend that time making more videos and mm-hmm. so making more money, mm-hmm. but like with. The reason why I started this YouTube channel is because there's so many people who are starting from square yeah. one and they don't know where to turn. Exactly. So for me, if I can take away five minutes out of my day to write out a paragraph, yeah. expl- like answering their direct question, mm-hmm. they appreciate that so much. Because, you know, there's a lot of general questions that you can Google. Like, oh, what's yeah. the TFSA limit for 2023? Yeah. Yeah. Google will give you the answer in, in 10 yeah. seconds. But there's a more specific question like, oh, uh, should I transfer my... My, my stocks from my margin account to my TFSA account at the beginning of the year when I get a new TFSA room. That's a question that Google probably won't answer. Yeah. It's a more specific yeah. question. Yeah. But you can ask me and I'll give you a specific answer. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I, like, you know, th- like, when, when my viewers kind of receive that, one, a lot of times they're, they're amazed that I respond to them mm-hmm. in the first place. Mm-hmm. And that I, I, I write out such a thorough answer, mm-hmm. kind of going through, like, crossing all the I's and donning all the T's. Sorry. Donning the eyes yeah. across the T's, right? <laughs> like <laughs> we were, uh, wait, we're we were talking like, earlier about how, like, when we're doing live things, we screw up little like idioms and sayings. I mess Perfect up, yeah. Example. And like, literally, I would have done the. That's why I don't say a lot of idioms because uh, on the podcast, especially because I'm like, I'm gonna mess it up. I know, and there we go, right? And but I but can't moving on, yeah, moving on, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like, it's like, um, you know, I I love having that one-on-one engagement, and that's something I never want to lose. Even yeah. if I do reach yeah. a million subscribers one day. I hope I can keep that. Mm-hmm. I think that's what sets you apart. Because yeah, really, what the, I the think problem so. I think with a lot of those big content creators, influencers, is they lose touch yes. with their audience. That's huge. And that's how usually then you're like, oh, why are they losing followers or why are they not as popular anymore? It's because they lost touch with right. why they started. And if the whole point of you starting this was to help people, educate people, because you saw how valuable that was in your life and you right. just started doing that with those interns. Then that's an amazing thing. I do the exact same thing. I do not have as I don't spend that much time, but I have it in my little Asana like to do list yes. every morning. Look on my YouTube comments and answer as many right, exactly. uh, as I can. And yeah, it does take me time. It takes time and yeah. yeah, some of the the questions are either really specific, and so like, and if they are, that's why they're asking me the question because they can't Google it. Right. And then I have to do a little research. Sure. But I actually don't mind because I'm like, oh, I've never gotten that question before. And it keeps and you so on your toes. It keeps right? me on my toes, right. and I learn a little something. No, probably. And, and that's the thing because now it's kind of like since you and I we, yeah. we do this every day. Yeah. We've been exposed to all those yes. really nitty gritty kind of obscure out of wet left, yeah. left field questions, yeah. right? So when we do like a live event and we do like a live Q and A, oh yeah, I'm like nothing can face me because I've already uh-uh. seen like the craziest questions. I know, right? yeah, no, that's I think the best thing, and like I even do that for my investing course. We have a monthly mm. Q and A Zoom, and so I've had the course for almost three years now. And I'm like at this point because I've done so many of them, it's been really great keeping me on my toes. Right. But also I'm like now you also can kind of see repetitions of what questions people have, yes. and that's also a great way to find other videos what 100%. I should make a video about because people keep on asking that. So 100%. clearly they can't find the answer online. I should fill that. Right. Right. That's no, hun- mm-hmm. honestly, like, like for me, I would say 
maybe like like seventy percent of the videos I make, the topics are topics that I want to talk about, yeah, and I yeah. feel like there's an unmet need. Yeah. But like the other thirty percent is just what you said, yeah. right? I get the same kind of questions again and again. I mean, mm-hmm. people, I'm realizing like, so many Canadians don't are either like they're they have like a fuzzy understanding of this yeah. or there's a, a, a total misconception. Yeah. So I'm like, that's a great video to make, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm I'm curious. Yeah. How do you? determine what you want to make like one thing i find with some canadian content creators mm-hmm. and i even fell into this you know situation in a bit is you feel like ooh, i could grow my channel more if i didn't just talk about canadian stuff yeah. because you do feel like we kind of talk about like there's a limitation on how people sure there's a ceiling canadian there's a ceiling but for me what i found is i mean there's like a term like niche down to blow up that's right. kind of a great thing to do right and for me i've liked that because a lot of people mm-hmm. come to me because i am canadian do exactly. you ever kind of think mm, should i talk about things I mean, aren't specific Canadian just so I can grow my audience or no, you know what your no, lane is. No, I'm almost always exclusively Canadian, yeah. especially when I make my taxes videos or my entrepreneurship videos. Those are all like Canadian specific specific tax laws, right? The, then my my investing investing basics, like, you know, what is a dividend? What's yeah. a re- REIT? That's more universally yeah. uh, accepted. Yeah. But there's even those videos, I still have like a Canadian focus, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I, 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 I'm i the same boat. I felt that temptation like, oh, yeah. I wish I kind of expand to the, the, ten, the 10 times larger US market. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, then I would be a tiny fish in a giant pond. That's true. And like these people wouldn't like, again, like I, like I was saying before, like I don't want someone to follow me and then only watch 10% of my videos. Yeah. I want someone to like be like a ride and die and watch every one of my videos. Mm-hmm. No. And that's what I can only get together in the Canadian market. Now, I know one thing that I think brings a lot of people to your channel, even for me, this is probably how we discovered you, quite honestly, is like Googling stuff. I'm like, oh, hey, who is this guy? Yeah. Um, is you you talk a lot about investing. Obviously, yes. that's a very hot topic. Everyone sure. wants to know how to invest and then right. build your wealth. But you do it in a way that's not cringe. <laughs> right. No, no. <laughs> that- Which is good. <laughs> that hey, that's my baseline, right? Yeah. How cringy is this title? How cringy cringy is the, is the thumbnail? If I as a viewer would be like shaking my head at this, then I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I'm not going to do it. So right? so tell me a little bit about like how do you make sure that you aren't going to be like cringy or like yeah. all the people that are like a little bit like, oh, are you a snake oil salesman yeah. like trying to sell me so, to buy this thing? And, and and what is your like personal investing philosophy? Mm-hmm. Like how do you how do you invest and how do you like to educate people sure. to invest? So for me. Um, my, the pillar of my, I guess, brand that you could mm-hmm. say is authenticity and transparency, mm-hmm. right? I will never, ever, ever preach, like endorse a stock that I don't personally invest in. Yeah. I will never make a video about an investing strategy if I don't personally believe in it, mm-hmm. right? Like when, and I've and you know, over the past four years, I've seen the, the hype train. I've seen the rise and fall of trending topics. Yeah. I've seen when people were going crazy about NFTs and crypto and weed stocks and IP <laughs> and like risky IPOs, uh-huh. right? And I avoided them like the plague, right? Mm-hmm. Even though, yeah, I would have gone the views. I definitely yeah. would have gone the views yeah. and the attention, right? Mm-hmm. I don't believe in those things yeah. and I think they're dangerous, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's why, like, you know, when I, you were actually the very first YouTuber content creator I ever mm-hmm. met. And I and now since this past year I've met a, a, like dozens of mm-hmm. others and all the YouTubers that I've met like, like mm-hmm. yourself and others I respect you guys mm-hmm. because you guys have the credibility yeah you practice what you preach mm-hmm. right I know that there's a bunch of other content creators more so on the U.S. side but also yeah. on the Canadian side yeah there's where everywhere. you'll see them flip flop right yeah. they'll yeah. make one video talking about how dividends are the way to go and next yeah. week they're like oh dividends are dead next week later oh it's only crypto right <laughs> and they're just chasing trends yeah they're chasing topics yeah and then at the end of the day as an audience you're like what do you really believe in? Like, what is your true philosophy? Yeah, who no, are you? you? Know. Do you who know? Who are you? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. they'll be they'll be pumping a random 
uh, IPO, like a, a new mm. penny stock yeah. that they just found. Mm-hmm. It's like, really? You just found that? Yeah. More likely. And then now that, you know, we're. Yeah, they we, may have gotten paid for that. Probably. And you and I, we get those emails, right? Yeah. We get those sponsorships. I actually don't. I feel like no one. No, I don't. They get, probably, they probably go to you your junk what? folder. They probably go to my junk. Yes. Or if they're anything, unless it's like delete. Like, I'm not. Yeah. yeah no, 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 100%. No, no. Right. <laughs> and it's funny when you see those stories of like, you know, I've seen like. As examples, mm-hmm. like like tattoo chef, very good butchers. Mm-hmm. I got those emails a couple years ago, being like, "Oh, mm-hmm. we'll pay you X amount of money to like interview our CEO and blah blah blah." Uh-huh. Right? I was like, "No, like mm-hmm. I'm not gonna sell my credibility. I don't believe in this company." Mm-hmm. I look at the financials. I look at the metrics. They're spending like six hundred percent of the revenue on marketing. Ooh, that's not that's a good insane. Time. That's a huge red flag. I'm not yeah. gonna do that. Yeah. But then I saw the people who other, did those yeah. videos, right? Yeah. And I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna like fault them because I get the no. temptation is there. I was it, tempted. I'm not I've gonna had lie. Some tempta- it is right? so hard. I think that's one of the hardest things as someone who who got into this business to be transparent and have that integrity. It's right. hard to maintain that integrity yeah. when people have money and they're like, and because you know we're we want to make money, we want to build right. wealth, we want to have a good life. It's hard to make sure that you are like yeah. checking yourself and you're like, no, no, no. Why did we start this? Right. We did not get this in for the month because every time, and I don't know if there's, uh, there in the early days of my blogging, there mm-hmm. were I definitely did some like sponsored blog posts that I'm like, this is just this is just <laughs> for the money. They do not exist anymore. They are deleted. Nice. Thank God. That was when I was really broke. To be fair, but fair. it's it's hard to sometimes say no sure. to a big wad of cash. I agree. I and I agree. Right. But yeah. I guess I think you and I are similar in that regard. We are always like, with with investing with our with our yeah. brand with our businesses. It's about long-term mindset, right? Yeah. And and you can't buy back what, your integrity. Exactly. What makes us special? What makes us stand out? Yeah. Right? It's not that we're brilliant and that mm-hmm. we can like time the market and outsmart, no. you know, Warren Buffett. No, mm-hmm. no. We have we're relatable. Yeah. We resonate with our audience, and we have we're sincere and 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 transparent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Once you lose that credibility, you yeah. can't get it back. No. So no. Mm-hmm. even though uh, uh, like a really fat one-time paycheck mm-hmm. could be tempting. In the long run, I don't think it. it's going to work. Yeah, right? yeah. So, so, so tell me a little bit more about what do you do for investing? Because sure. I know you talk a, you talk about I don't know actually you talk about like dividends a lot. You talk about and you 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 do do you do just individual stocks? You do ETFs? Combination. What do you do? Yeah. What do, you do? So for me, I'm I'm I've I've two main philosophies. Yeah. The two main pillars are uh, long term investing. Mm-hmm. I do not care about short term volatility. Mm-hmm. I don't care about short term performance. I don't want to get rich overnight. I don't care if a stock will go down. Yeah. Two weeks from now, four weeks from now. I care how will the stock perform 10 years from now, mm-hmm. 20 years from now. So for me, it's all about time in the market versus timing in the market, mm-hmm. right? So long-term mindset, I only want to invest in quality, well-established companies that have a, a long-term track record. They have a history of being profitable and increasing their profits year after year, yeah. quarter after quarter, right? Will these companies 10x? Uh, in two years? No. Mm-hmm. But will they have reliable growth, 8 to 12% a year? Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. I'm happy. Yeah. I'm happy with that, yeah. right? So long-term mindset is number one. And number two is diversification. Mm-hmm. And that's in all areas, mm-hmm. right? So uh, I do a combination of individual stocks mm-hmm. and ETFs, mm-hmm. right? I do the ETFs to get the kind of the broad index mm-hmm. market exposure. And then within those ETFs, I kind of double down on some of the, the little gems or, or particular mm-hmm. winners I see in there, mm-hmm. right? And it's fine to do that. It's fine yeah. to have overlap between your stocks and your ETFs yeah. as long as you're aware of that, right? Yeah, you want to be too heavy somewhere. Exactly, yeah. right? And yeah. then I also diversify in terms of like, you know, my, my asset allocation, right? Like I have, I invest in, in dividend stocks mm-hmm. and growth stocks. Mm-hmm. I do REITs and more capital appreciation mm-hmm. focused ETFs. Mm-hmm. I invest in geographic diversification. You know, yeah. I invest in Canadian and US markets and a little bit of international exposure mm-hmm. too. I cover, I try to cover all the sectors, right? Yeah. I love 
for example, REITs, like real estate investment, because mm-hmm. I, I am a real estate investor as well. That's mm-hmm. another kind of oh, yeah, sector we'll of my, yeah, well, yeah, definitely yeah. will, right? But like, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge proponent of real estate, but I don't want to be all in in that no. sector, right? You have to diversify across, you know, the telecoms, financials, yep. insurance companies, Everybody. consumer station, all that stuff, right? So mm-hmm. for me, it's not, I'm, I'm never trying to outsmart everyone. I'm not yeah. trying to find those needles in the haystack that will 50X, right? Yeah. I just want quality companies, companies that I would be proud to own, mm-hmm. and that I, you know, I know that they have a long-term future. And again, even but it, that that being said, even my favorite stock of all time, like something like you know TD or Procter mm-hmm. and Gamble, companies that I love, I never want to have more than let's say six or seven percent yeah. uh, weighting in, the, in those stocks. Mm-hmm. I want to diversify across yeah. all those great established companies mm-hmm. because you know, let's say, God forbid, something cataclysmic happens mm-hmm. and TD stock goes to zero, yeah. right? Worst case, that's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. But if it did, yeah. worst case scenario, I lose 6% of my money. Yeah. I'll survive. Yeah. It'll suck, yeah. but I'll survive, yeah. right? Yeah. Meanwhile, a lot of the you know younger kids or younger investors, they'll have like, they'll be like 60% in Tesla, yeah. 40% in NVIDIA. Yeah. And are these quality companies? Overall, I'd say yes. Yeah. Are they are they overvalued? Yes. I mean, historically. <laughs> The, also, the, I don't tr- I don't trust Elon, so I'm not. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not putting my money. That's into no, his that's hands. a whole other conversation, <laughs> right? So, like, like even even if a company that you know and love, and you and let's yeah. say you are an Elon stan and you yeah, believe yeah, yeah, yeah. he's going to go to the moon, even if it is a great company that is, let's say, yeah. profitable, even a profitable company can still be severely overvalued, right? Is it worth you know a, a 1.5 trillion dollar market cap? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I thing, don't right? know. So. Um, how do you keep track of everything? Because that's the other thing that I mean, obviously, there's there's so many tools either by like, you know, software companies or whatever, but you're a spreadsheet person like myself. Yes, you just I'm keep, a, I'm so, old, so you just so built your own spreadsheet. Excel. Well, a combination of things. So I use uh, Excel when I kind of ma- I, I, yeah. I have my own Excel dividend tracker spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sh- you've probably mm-hmm. seen my vi- YouTube videos. I kind of show it all the time and I give mm-hmm. it, I give like a free template for it. Mm-hmm. But that's a template I personally use. Mm-hmm. Uh, I track all the stocks I bought, uh, all the stocks I buy, all the stocks I sell. All the TVSA and RSP contributions yep. and withdrawals yep. I make, yep. all the you know how many the number of shares I own, mm-hmm. the dividend I receive from them, how many drips I get, what my drip ratio is. Drip meaning like when I get like those automatic mm-hmm. dividend reinvestments, mm-hmm. right? Um, so you kind of like build compound on on autopilot. So that's what I do. That's my main source. But then I also with through my brokerages like Quest Trade, Well Simple, uh, I use those for the more like the live values, right? Mm-hmm. So I can kind of see like my portfolio performance overall. And then I also use uh, Blossom Social, which is the mm-hmm. the uh, the app that I'm kind of partnered mm-hmm. with now. Right. And I'll give a super, super quick yeah, yeah. version of what Blossom Social is. It's kind of like, we think of it as the, the Canadian LinkedIn for Canadian investors, right. right? So it's kind of a social media platform for Canadian investors. That's half of the app where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you write posts, you can ask questions, people can comment on stuff. But the other half is kind of like a portfolio uh, summary and a portfolio mm-hmm. like analysis, mm-hmm. right? So that way I can kind of like automatically you know, uh, track how my portfolio is doing on a day-to-day basis. I can mm-hmm. see what my current dividend yield is, how, if I went up or down today across all my brokerages, across all my accounts. Yeah. So that one's a nice kind of automatic, really mm-hmm. quick snapshot summary of my portfolio. Mm-hmm. But the real meat and bones and meat mm-hmm. and potato of my of my portfolio tracking is Excel because I have total control yeah. and I can do whatever Does I want with it. Does it take you a long time to keep things organized and do it? Like, cause that's the other thing too. That's why I'm an index investor. I'm like, I want the simplest thing mm. ever. <laughs> that's why I'm like not into like, I mean, I've got some individual stocks, but in general it's, and that they're just like buy and hold kind of things. But in general, I feel like, yeah, it's most people are afraid to, to, I don't want to be a day trader. I don't have time for that. You know that. So how, how long does it take for you to just 
to to do all kind of active management in terms mm-hmm. of like tracking things, making your contributions or rebalancing. How long right. does that take? For me, it's 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 such a habit at this point. Mm-hmm. And as long as you do it routinely, yeah, like it's kind it's kind of like you know if you're if you're if you're running a business, you're book like you know bookkeeping your expenses, right? Mm-hmm. If you wait until the end of the year, yeah, it's gonna be and then you have like a <laughs> shoebox full of expenses, yeah, it's gonna take you days, yeah, right. But you make a habit of doing it once a week, once every two weeks. It's really not bad. Like it yeah. takes me 10, 10 minutes, yeah. right? Like I would say on uh, like a month, maybe 10 minutes a month, just to kind of update, update my Excel sheet, enter the new dip, like drips I receive. Uh, if dividends are, are, are you know increased, hopefully they increase, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I just go through each of them and kind of update that. So it, okay. it really doesn't take me, it, as long as you make a habit of it and you yeah. make a routine out of it, it doesn't take a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of like researching the stocks, yeah. that definitely takes time, yeah. right? And you should take the time. Yeah. If you don't have the time to research stocks, then don't buy individual stocks. Yes. Then yeah. if you want a more passive, hands-off approach, kind of set and forget it, do uh, like a broad-based index fund, mm-hmm. maybe even like an all-in-one comprehensive index fund, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's fine, right? Mm-hmm. Or even something like like robo-advising or yeah. whatever. You do pay fees for that, yeah. but it is kind of a hands-off approach. If you mm-hmm. want to invest in the individual stocks, you do have to put in the time. Because yeah. remember, you're not like a stock is not a magical thing. You're not buying a stock is not just a, a magical lottery ass- ticket. Yeah. You know? You're buying a piece of a company. So you yeah. have to understand how the company works, how the company makes money, mm-hmm. what their current situation is, what their future looks like, what kind of projects they're going to work on, how they're handling their debt. Yeah. Those are all, and, and you can, you kind of evaluate that in two ways. You go through the financial metrics, right? Reading the financial reports, which again, that can be very intimidating for a lot of people, but you also have to kind of read the, uh, like the press releases and the news articles and understand like, you know, what's going on with the company and what the future holds because- yeah. Yeah. It's not just like it's like stocks aren't just like a black box where you put in like numerical net- mm-hmm. metrics in and you like spits out an output. Yeah. You're buying a company and yeah. companies are unpredictable. Yeah. But you can kind of make an educated guess of where the future of the company is going to go. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there's no shortcut to that. You have to kind of read the read the articles and understand what mm-hmm. the company does. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, how did you learn about this stuff? Because it's like, were you always interested in this? Did, did you learn about this in, in school or did you just educate yourself? Yeah, no, I educate myself. So when I, I, I first got started with investing when I was in university. Mm-hmm. So the story there is, I mean, I think for most Canadians, I started with mutual funds. Yeah, right? of course, yeah. So, and I, I started with, back then it was ING Direct, now it's Tangerine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they were they were pretty good. Like for me, I mean, for me, when I first they were started with mutual funds. They were lower fee than most of the big they banks. They were, they were significantly fair. lower fee fees, right? And they were way better than like the GIC yep. rates or savings account rates I was getting. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the year, I got like a nice dividend yep. on top of a little bit of capital appreciation. Mm-hmm. So it was very exciting, right? Mm-hmm. And then I kind of, you know, I'm, I'm an engineer, so I'm mm-hmm. all about maximizing yep. efficiency in terms mm-hmm. of my time, my money, my effort, all that kind of stuff, right? And excuse me, I, I kind of, at one point, maybe a couple months in into uh, mutual fund investing, I, I sat down and questioned myself like, okay, what like it's nice that I'm making money off this, but but what's what's in it for ING Direct? Well, Tangerine. What, yeah. What's in it for them? Why mm-hmm. are they providing me the service? Mm-hmm. And I, at that time, I had this misconception. I think a lot of Canadians do is that like, oh, they get a two percent fee off of the profit they make me, yeah. and so they are incentivized to make me money. But no, 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 that's not how mm-hmm. it works. Mm-hmm. They don't take two percent off of the profit. Yeah, they take two percent off the full amount of money. Mm-hmm. So whether they gain, whether I I gain money or lose money. Tangerine doesn't care. Yeah. They get their cut. They mm-hmm. get their money every single year. Mm-hmm. So there really isn't a financial incentive for them to make me money. Yeah. So I started realizing, well, like, like, if there is no incentive, what am I paying this fee for? Yeah. Like, why am I paying a guaranteed 2% loss on- No on, matter what. No mm-hmm. matter what, right? 
And 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 I started looking down, like kind of you know, kind of looking to like the weeds of what exactly the portfolio looks like, mm-hmm. and it was just a bunch of ETFs and stuff. Yeah. So I thought to myself, well, why am I paying them two percent every single year when I could just replicate that portfolio yeah. for myself and buy the exact same portfolio and keep that money to myself? Mm-hmm. So that's when I started. That was probably like in third year university, I think, mm-hmm. when I bought my very first uh, ETFs and individual mm-hmm. stocks. And mm-hmm. I still remember to this day. It was uh, TD Stock, BMO. Dollarama, Coca-Cola, Procter and Gamble, mm-hmm. and Rio Can and Enbridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I two other ETFs, mm-hmm. and I've never sold any of them. Those mm-hmm. are all the companies I bought some day one, mm-hmm. and I've never sold them. I've kind of like every year I kind of increase my my, mm-hmm. my my holding on them. And for me, that was kind of uh, I, I was lucky because on day one I kind of I didn't chase the the riskier yeah. stocks. I yeah. chose the, the more established blue chip mm-hmm. companies. That I knew that they weren't. I knew that Coca-Cola wasn't going to you know ten yeah. x overnight, yeah. but They've been around for almost a hundred yep. years. Yep. They are like the deaf. They own so many things. They own so <laughs> many brands. It's even even yeah. if like everyone decides that you know Coca Cola is unhealthy, we're not going to drink Coke anymore. Mm-hmm. They okay. own Minimade orange juice. They yeah. own water. They yeah. own like, yeah. a, like half, like you know, thirty percent of the brands you see at the grocery store are owned by Coca Cola. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and they and like they are so, they have such an untouchable track record. Yep. Right. They've been paying dividends for. I mean, like they've never missed a dividend payment in like over 70 years and they've increased their dividends every single year mm-hmm. for I think it's something like 67, wow. maybe even 70 years, yeah. right? So that's amazing. So one thing you get, I mean, you get capital appreciation, mm-hmm. you get a great passive income through dividends, you get increasing dividends year after mm-hmm. year and as the share price grows and your dividends grow, mm-hmm. you're increasing your yield on cost, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. that's, that's, why, that's, why, that's why Warren Buffett, you know, he bought Coca-Cola yeah. stock Really cheap in the eighties, yeah. right? And now, even though like Coca Cola now has a dividend yield, I think it's around, I find I guess off the top of my head, like maybe like three point six percent, something mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. right? Warren Buffett's yield on cost, the dividend yield, mm-hmm. the income he's earning off the money he put in is way more than three percent. Right. He's earning probably like 20 percent on top of the great capital gains yeah. he's earning, right? Yeah, yeah. So for me, that's why I want to focus on I I, I want to focus yeah. on a long term mindset yeah. and I want to focus on companies that have a good track record of sustainable dividends mm-hmm. and increasing dividends. I don't mm-hmm. chase the high yields. I don't yeah. want a company that, that can boast like a 9% dividend yield or a 13% dividend mm-hmm. yield. That's a trap. Like mm-hmm. it's tempting, I get it. You yeah. might think, oh my God, I'm getting 12% of my money every yeah. year. There's no such thing as a free lunch, Mm-mm. right? You might be getting 12% of passive income, which is taxed yeah. if it's not in a TVSA yeah. or whatever, mm-hmm. right? But that's probably, most likely, most likely, that company is spending more money on dividends than they're bringing in in revenue. Yeah, that's why. So the they're really like they're they're, mm-hmm. they're bleeding themselves dry. Yeah. So yeah, you're getting twelve percent dividend yield for now, but the stock <laughs> is going down in value yeah. like 20 percent a year. Yeah. So in the end, you're losing money. Right? Yeah, it's hard to not yeah chase this kind of thing. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you're also into real estate. Did you want to yes. kind of talk about like do you you own a property or? Yeah. So so um I, I don't own the house I live in. Uh, mm. So I'm I'm a I'm of the mindset. I guess this is kind of one of those controversial, debatable topics. No, I, I know lots of people who do. I'm this of the now. mindset where I don't think of a principal residence as an investment. Mm-hmm. Not to say it's a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you own a principal residence if you want the stability. Yeah. the pride of ownership, all that yeah. control to totally. do whatever you want, that makes sense. But don't fool yourself into thinking this is an investment. You're not buying it as an investment, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. You're, You're buying, buying until you, I mean, it could be investment yeah. years down the line when you sell, but that's not why you bought it, Mm-mm. right? An investment is when you put money aside today with the expectation that you're going to make more money in the future. Mm-hmm. Until you decide to sell your primary residence, it's just an expense, yeah. right? Yeah. So for me, I, I rent where I live. Um, but all the rental, all the properties I own are rental properties. Mm. So 
over four years ago in 2019, I bought my very first rental property in Kitchener-Waterloo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a couple of years later, me and my brother, we partnered and we bought another rental property. Mm-hmm. And then we bought a third rental property based on the appreciation of the first house, which is one of the real powers of real estate investing mm-hmm. is, the, is the power of leverage. Yeah. Right. Because not only do you get to benefit from the money you put in, you get to benefit from the bank's money. Yeah. And, and if you make a 20% down payment, like most of the four times the money you put in mm-hmm. is the bank's money and you get to benefit from a hundred percent of the money, even yeah. though only 20% of it came from you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And there's no other asset class that offers that level of leverage. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. You can do, you know, you can, yeah. you can do margin calls and whatnot and, and borrow money from, from investing, but I don't recommend that. Yeah. Like no. Investing is risky enough. Stock market investing is risky Most enough. Most people as it is. should not do that. You should only invest <laughs> in money. That's your money. Yeah. Not the, not alone. Yeah. And money that you're comfortable to potentially lose yeah. and money that you don't need for yeah. the next you know yeah. five ten years at least yeah but with real estate like you're able to benefit from a huge huge amplifying power of leverage mm-hmm. and here's a really cool example is that like for example my first rental property i bought four years ago right and then during the pandemic mm-hmm. obviously house prices kind of shot crazy up, right mm-hmm. so my house that i bought in 2019 essentially doubled in value yeah. in, in like three three years mm-hmm. so what how how can i kind of benefit from that growth i could either sell the house mm-hmm. right i don't want to do that because if you sell a house you pay significant yeah. pr- a capital gains tax land spat realtor fees realtor fees right mm-hmm. so that's 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 a, a huge chunk of money yeah. it's still very yeah. profitable right but i don't want to do that i still want to benefit from the increased equity the increased mm-hmm. value of the house mm-hmm. but i want but i have a great tenant i don't yeah. want to kick them out yeah i want them to keep you know living yeah. there for the next 20 years yeah. and collect that passive income. So what I did, I went to my bank mm-hmm. and I did a refinance. I yeah. did a HELOC. I basically went to the bank and told them, hey, look, my house is worth double what I bought it for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to take on a second mortgage. Mm-hmm. I want to refinance and borrow against that new increased equity, mm-hmm. the new increased value of the house. So they did. I got a HELOC. I basically got like a $100,000 loan mm-hmm. and I used that to buy my third rental property, nice. right? So that... The, the amazing thing with that with real estate is that you can gain such incredible momentum mm-hmm. because of the first house took me years to save up yeah. for that down payment. Mm-hmm. Second house was a little easier because I partnered with my brother. We were mm-hmm. 50-50 partners. Mm-hmm. So instead of, you know, so we, we put in, you know, instead of saving years for a hundred grand yeah. down payment, we only had to save 50 grand each. So yeah. that was a little easier, easier. to do, mm-hmm. right? The third house we bought without using any of my own money. It mm. was just money from the loan of the value of the first house, Oh wow! right? And I'm going to keep this going. Yeah. Like a couple yeah. years down the line, my second rental property is going to increase in value. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a second loan on that, mm-hmm. use that loan to buy a fourth house. Mm-hmm. A couple years later, do the same thing. My third house will grow in value, take refinance, buy a fifth house mm-hmm. and keep on going. I mean, eventually yeah. I'm going to get tapped out and the yeah. banks are not going to, I mean, I'm going to have so many mortgages at that point that yeah, the bank yeah. going to lend it to me. But as long as you run the numbers and you use those those loans uh, for smart investment or business purposes. Mm-hmm. Not only is that a, you know you, you can kind of like expedite the uh, the the acquisition of a rental property by mm-hmm. years, mm-hmm. right? You can accelerate that by years, but also that the interest you pay on those loans is 100% tax deductible yeah. as long as you use it for investment or, or business purposes, yeah, right? So yeah. a lot of, you know, especially now, I mean, everyone's hurting with real estate rate, yeah. interest rates, it's, right? Yeah. I My interest rate from one of my properties started at 1.5%. Mm-hmm. Now I'm paying 6%, yep, right? Yep. That hurts. Mm-hmm. But I have, the I'm in the lucky position where mm-hmm. even though, yes, the interest rate is now is 6%, because it's a rental property, all of the interest is tax deductible. Yeah. So in actuality, if I'm at a 40% tax bracket, mm-hmm. After taxes, my effective interest rate is not 6%. Mm-hmm. I'm only really paying maybe 3.2%. Yeah, yeah. And for me, 3.2% 
is still really good. Yeah, it's almost free money. Yeah, right. Yeah. So th that's why I, I, I you know, I, I definitely, I'm a huge fan of stock market investing, mm -hmm. and I, that's mm -hmm. a huge part of my channel. But don't neglect real estate. Mm. In, in in terms of like pure dollar amounts, real estate is, is my my real estate portfolio is significantly bigger than my my stock market portfolio. Mm. For me, real estate is the real fundamental backbone of my long term retirement yeah. plan, my long term wealth wealth plan. But, what, but what's your experience you been as a, a landlord, though? Because I feel like a lot of people are yeah. resistant to real estate because, I mean, unless you hire a company that does that for you. Right. But again, then that's eating into your profit. Absolutely. Um, you know, do you you're your own landlord? You I'm do my it all own property yourself? manager. Yeah. So, have you had and you've had, had a good experience? Yeah. Because <laughs> no, you're so, always so your horror story. I'm lucky. So also the good thing is like uh, me and my brother, we're partners on this. Mm -hmm. Right. So we can kind of share the load between the two of us. If a toilet needs to be fixed yeah. or we need to replace something, either I'll drive over to the house or my brother will drive over. Plus, I mean, it's definitely gone easier since I quit my job mm -hmm. because now if I have to, you know, drive to yeah. my rental property, I don't have to ask my, my boss for permission. I don't have to take a day, yeah. you, you know, use up a vacation day for that, right? I can just go and fix the issue myself. And me and my brother, we're, we're, we're generally pretty handy. Most things, most easy things we can kind of handle on our own. Mm -hmm. So we haven't needed to use a property manager. Obviously, if it's like a plumbing issue or, or like an mm -hmm. electrical issue, we hire someone yeah. for that. And it sucks paying, you know, yeah. $300 just for a plumber just to show up, yeah. right? But you got to do it. It's your yeah. responsibility as a landlord, right? So, so, so far with the three rental properties between me and my brother, we've been able to manage it between mm -hmm. the two of us mm -hmm. without a property manager. Uh, if we get the fourth one, We'll see. We might at that point we yeah. might have to reevaluate yeah. and kind of determine maybe we need a property manager. But that's that's one of the reasons why we only buy in Kitchener Waterloo because my brother lives there and yeah. I live there half the time. Yeah. So it's it's easy. If I were, you know, and and, and I, again, there's there's always opportunities other places. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. you can get way better cash flow if you buy like in Windsor or mm -hmm. Sarnia or mm -hmm. some further away, right? But I don't want to drive two hours to fix toilets, yeah. right? Or I have to hire a random property manager that I don't know, and I, I, how am I going to trust? Do I'm yeah. going to trust them? Yeah, I don't know, right? Yeah. So, uh, for me, you know, yes, even though Kitchener Waterloo is a little bit more expensive, I have the peace of mind knowing that one, I know the area, I know the economy, yeah. I know that vacancy rates are low, so I'm going to find quality tenants, and two, I'm able to kind of, you know fulfill my, my landlord duties mm -hmm. without having to outsource it to a property manager. Yeah. But yeah. eventually it's going to get to the point where, you know, you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're stretched too thin and you have to do that at that point. But uh, make sure that's your cash flow. As long yeah. as it's still profitable, it's it's definitely worth uh, yeah. peace of mind. Whenever I talk to people that own properties, I always think like, gosh, maybe I should. like I've been toying with the idea. And I just I think part of the reason that me and my husband have not like done that besides uh, owning our principal residence is right. he is not interested in being a landlord. <laughs> so it would be me doing all of that. And I'm like, also, no, I don't know uh, if I want to do that. But that's still it's it, always it, it's always it intriguing depends. before like I was seriously looking at like when we lived in our townhouse and right before the pandemic mm -hmm. I bought a, 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 like it was like real estate for dummies I'm like let's just like read all nice. the things and just like you know get a feel for what's going on and stuff like it was a real estate for dummies in Canada it was nice. like very niche or whatever okay, that's good I read it and then the pandemic happened and then our, <laughs> our focus our, our priorities shifted yep, a little that's bit for sure. um and we decided to instead just buy a house for there a lot of go. money <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Any regrets? Now I love it here. Oh, there you go. It's a but like house. you said, it's like this, like our townhouse doubled and that was yeah, awesome. So right? that was a great buy. I'm really glad that we did that. Right. And then it enabled us to buy this house. Right. Now we have but a then very... this house also doubled when you... I right. mean, well, well, yeah. I mean, the plan is to stay here for as long as we right. absolutely can, like minimum 10 years. Mm -hmm. We've been here almost two years, so nice. eight years to go. Nice. Um, But... 
Yeah, like you said, I, I don't consider a principal residence uh, like we didn't buy this because this is going to be a real. No, we wanted to live here. Right. Like right. we wanted a homestead. We wanted that security and just to have the flexibility of uh, being homeowners. But um, exactly. Yeah the, only, you know, yeah. the only way you can make money is if you sell. And believe me, there's so many boomers out there. I talk to them you know, all the time. They don't want to sell their house because yeah. it is their home. I get it. Even though I it's like it, a $2 right? million dollar house now. Yeah. To try to tell someone who's lived there for 50 years, 40 years to sell it for and the money and live in what? a condo. That's it's a, not going to happen. That's a really good point, right? Like investments should never you should never be emotionally attached to your investments it's, and yeah. you get emotionally attached you to your sure home do. of course you, you do of course you do it's right? your home. you build you you raise your kids there you build yeah, memories. memories right yeah. so yeah. that's why on that that's criteria alone 100%. it's not an investment because exactly. you're emotionally involved right yeah. Yeah, I my stocks like if, if someone and that's mm-hmm. one thing I, I see all the time and we we're, yeah. we're talking about kind of like the content creation world right yeah. about like you know crypto and stuff yeah. and and people get emotionally they they, it becomes a part of their identity like oh I'm a crypto bro yeah and if you insult <laughs> Bitcoin or Dogecoin they'll they take get it personally offended, yeah right you're like if, you didn't build this yeah. or make this yeah. I love TD stock I love Enbridge stock yeah. I love RealCan if you insult RealCan yeah okay that's fine it's like I don't care good for you more 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 for me then I'll yeah. buy it I'll yeah. buy your share yeah right? yeah 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 like, yeah yeah. So, so you know, you got the that's a big part of the investing game with any kind of yeah. investment, real yeah. estate, stock market, whatever. You have to get your emotions out of the, out of the equation, Absolutely. and you need that discipline to kind of stay the course. Especially, I mean, when times are good, yeah, it's so easy to get excited and carried yep. away and think that you've oh my god, I've got it all figured yeah. out. Yeah. I was a, like everyone else is a, is a is a fool for not investing. But when, t- when times yeah. are now, when yeah. times are tough, yeah. and you're seeing red losses across the board, Oof. that's where the like you need that discipline. Yeah, and it's easy for you know a new beginner to kind mm-hmm. of listen to us say yeah. on a video like, oh, yeah. you know, ignore the short term volatility, yeah. focus on the long term. Hearing it is one thing. When it's yeah. your money on the line and you're seeing that for the yeah. first time, yeah, it's scary. It's hard to put it into practice. But what I will say, especially as someone who I think I started investing now, gosh, maybe when did I start investing? Maybe 25. So it's been like 12 years, right? And I've seen a lot of ups and downs. It gets better with age and time, Absolutely. right? Because you get Absolutely. that experience and you get to like, you know, when things are tough and you stick it out and you just don't sell and you just like, you know, stay put, then things get better. Absolutely. It bring, it builds your resilience. 100%. So the next time it happens, you have that experience and then you can remember, remember what we did last time and yeah. all the good advice that we took. Let's keep doing that. But it, it's hard when you're right at the start. The way, the way I look at it, I think of... A, if it's a quality stock, a quality company, and you be, and you believe in the long term future of it, you should not freak out when the stock no. price drops. You no. should look at it as an opportunity yep. to capitalize on that discount. Yeah. I look at it the same way as a house, mm-hmm. right? Let's say you bought a house, and then uh, I know, in, like, let's say we were in the U.S., mm-hmm. right? And in 2008, housing market crashed, mm-hmm. and house prices across the board plummeted by like 30, 40 percent. Mm-hmm. Did your house lose 40 percent of the windows? Did the walls collapse? Did the roof yeah. fall on your yeah. head? No, the house was the same fundamental asset. Mm-hmm. It was still worth the same amount. Just that on paper, the 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 the, yeah. the, the, the current market value of the house dropped by forty percent. Mm-hmm. But the house is still structurally sound. So don't sell. Don't yeah. freak out and yeah. sell. Live that. Live in the house. Hold on to it yeah. and wait for it to recover. Yeah. It's the same thing with yeah. stocks. As long as it's a quality company that yeah. will last. Yeah. You don't want to catch a falling knife. Like no. just because no. the stock is dropping by 30% doesn't, doesn't mean, mean it's, it's a good... discount. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It could mean like there's some fundamental... Yeah, there's something fundamentally there, there, wrong with there it. There might be something wrong, right? Mm-hmm. And the company might be in real trouble, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. if it's a company that's been around for 160 years yeah. and they're profitable year after year, and they have one 
this maybe they maybe they they, they still have a profitable quarter, yeah, but they yeah. didn't meet uh, yeah. earnings expectations. That's okay. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Like right? sometimes it's like just a simple thing of like they sh- you know change CEOs, right? And then it's like oh people are like oh there's a new you know person in town, right. but then it's like doesn't change the quality like the. CEO can be fired if they suck, you know. That's true. That's <laughs> it's true, not right? the you know the company's gonna go down necessarily. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so it's just uh, good to keep that in mind. Well, mm. I think I can keep you here forever, but yes. I think <laughs> what people would really get value out of is mm-hmm. checking out all of your amazing videos Thank on you. your channel. You have so many great topics that you cover. You really cover all the basics and then some, and lots of specific uh, things as well. Where can people find more information about you? Follow you on the the Instagram, yes. the YouTube. Where they where can so, they So so I I I'm lucky. I I want to keep my my brand name, my handle constant mm-hmm. across the board. It's Canadian T-shirt on Instagram, on YouTube, Twitter. It's actually Canadian shirt, right? Um, but I'm. Very, Are you still doing I'm, Twitter? I have I, honestly. I bought. I I, yeah. I I have it just reserved so no one else can. can yeah, take yeah, it same. From me, I'm like right? I don't know what I'm doing. There. I, I don't know. I, I hate. I've the never used Twitter for my personal life. I didn't. Mu- I liked it before. Oh, you did? It I got never, me- mucked up. Now it's it was all, never. It's weird. It was never a part of my life. Fair enough. So for me, it was more just so. Yeah, yeah. So you no don't want someone to like. Me, yeah, right? pretend. So for me, by far, YouTube is my number one platform. That's where I make my videos. That's where I'm most responsive with my. If you have a question, you're gonna answer. Write a comment on YouTube videos, and I'll answer within like a day or two. Right. Oh my god. If you have a more sensitive question. Yeah. Message me on Instagram. You had a a specific membership with your YouTube. What's that? Yes. Oh, yeah. So I do. um, So three years ago, I started a members only Mm -hmm. program where basically I charge $5 a month or a dollar a week. Where if you want to see my full portfolio, like Mm -hmm. I do a full like breakdown showing every single stock and ETF I own in my TFSA, in my RSP account, Mm -hmm. I show all of it. And then every single month, I make a video or two showing exactly like a 15 minute video of what stocks I'm buying this Mm -hmm. month why I'm buying it. I do a portfolio summary, how it fits into my new portfolio, how I'm like readjusting things. So the way I kind of position that is um, I, I've done a few, I've done a few like public and free portfolio mm-hmm. reveals, mm-hmm. but I don't want to clutter my channel with yeah. like, oh, what stocks am I buying in September 2022? Yeah. Because a couple of weeks later, no one's going to care. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I want to make my videos kind of, I want to focus on like evergreen content. Mm-hmm. I want to make my videos like that are I want to make standalone self-contained lessons yeah. that are relevant and useful five years down the yeah, line. Yeah. Like even like now, to like on a on a weekly basis, three out of the five most popular views on my yeah. channel on yeah. any given week yeah. are like three or four years old. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's really what I want to focus on. I don't want to have like trendy kind of really uh, short shelf life videos. Yeah. Right. So. Yep. That's why those. I really want to kind of separate that from my main public channel. Mm-hmm. If people are interested in what stocks I'm buying and they want to see a deep dive in my portfolio, they can do the my members only video. Yeah, amazing. For the every everyday people who just want to learn how stock market works, how investing works, how taxes work, mm-hmm. watch my my public and free videos. Perfect. Yeah. And yeah, and there's so much great stuff there. So highly recommend it. Well, thank Adrian, you. thank you so much for coming by to the studio my to pleasure. be on the show. It was so great having you on. Absolutely. We'll have to have you on again in Can't the future. Can't wait for round two. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And that was episode 381 with Adrian Barr, the founder and host of the YouTube channel Canadian in a T-Shirt. You can find him at youtube.com slash at Canadian T-Shirt. You can also find him on Twitter at Canadian Shirt and on Instagram at Canadian T-Shirt. And I will link to all of these things uh, in the show notes for this episode, jessicamorehouse.com slash 381. And just a reminder, if you want to find any episodes ever, because there are a lot of episodes, we're, get, we're creeping close to 400. Oh my gosh. Um, just go to jessicamorehouse.com slash podcast or jessicamorehouse.com slash the number of that episode if you know it. And I do not, I'm not bothered if you 
you are looking for a particular episode and you cannot remember what the number is or or who was on the show, like I get emails and DMs all the time from listeners being like, I think you did an episode on, you know, mortgages or something, whatever. Yeah, I don't mind. Let me know. Like, ask me and I'll be like, oh, it's this one. Because I, I don't know how because my memory is not the best with things, but I've got actually pretty good. I, I don't have a good short term memory, but I sure do have a good long term memory. And I remember every single guest and episode I've ever done. And I've been doing this for eight years. So hit me up. I'm, I'm happy to uh, navigate or, or even if you're like looking for an episode, on a specific topic, I can show you because I've pretty much done it all. So, you know, DM me. You can find me on Instagram at Jessica I Morehouse or through the podcast Instagram at More Money Podcast or just email me Jessica at JessicaMorehouse.com. I don't mind. Do it. Go ahead. Or there's a contact form on my contact page as well. Whatever you're more comfortable with, jessicamorehouse.com slash contact. Okay, so uh, just a few things to share as always. So do not go away. Do you want to figure out where your money is going? Do you want to organize your finances once and for all? Do you want to feel less anxious about your money? Well, I have a great tool for you my collection of budget spreadsheets, which you can find at jessicamorehouse.com slash shop. These new and improved budget spreadsheets have helped thousands of people over the years. And these are honestly the budget spreadsheets that me and my husband still use today. They come in Google Sheets and Excel. They also come with a comprehensive video tutorial to show you exactly how it works. And they're very easy to use. Not only that, I've got versions for pretty much any scenario. So if you're an employee, I've got a budget spreadsheet for that. If you are self-employed, I've got a budget spreadsheet for that. If you're in a couple and one of you is an employee and one of you is self-employed, I've got a budget spreadsheet for that. I've got seven different budget spreadsheets for any kind of situation. So no matter what's going on in your life and your income, I've got a budget spreadsheet for you. So if you want to take action and see some progress with your finances, this is one really easy step that you can take right after listening to this episode. Just go to jessicamorehouse.com shop, find the right budget spreadsheet for you, and then start making some moves that future you will be really, really thankful for. Okay, firstly, I um, just want to remind you, uh, because, you know, this week we don't have a book, a new book I'm giving away, though I have more to come. Don't worry. I, I've got four more books and authors coming on this show. So, you know, just stay excited for that. But I have a lot of books that have already been featured on the show that I am giving away copies of. So just go to jessicamorehouse.com slash contest to uh, enter to win any of those. Uh, just as a reference, I mean, if you want me to go through them, I will. <laughs> but I've got Gabe Dunn's Bad With Money, Eleanor Tucker, her book, Thanks for Sharing, Peter Atwater's The Confidence Map, uh, Manisha Takor's Money Zen, A.O. Owadani's The Immigrant View, Mick Heyman's Mellow Your Money, and Mary Sanders, who was on the show last week, Nine Lives by 35. And yeah, that's that's a lot. I can't believe I, I just remember all that off the top of my head. How crazy. So speaking of YouTube, because we did talk a lot about YouTube, just letting you know, I do have a YouTube channel. You can find me. I think it's just youtube.com slash at Jessica Morehouse, maybe. I don't know. But honestly, if you just go to like Google YouTube Jessica Morehouse or just in YouTube Jessica Morehouse, I will come right up. And also, if you don't know, I have another YouTube channel specifically for the podcast just because I set it up years ago because I had a few people ask, hey, can you put your podcast on YouTube? Because I like to listen on YouTube. I know, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, and so, and there was a year that I did do a video podcast. I want to say it was a while ago, like before anyone was really doing it. That's why I didn't really do that well. Probably back in like 
like 20, I don't know, 16, 17, 18. I don't know. But so there is some video podcasts. I always kind of yeah, think about doing it again. But again, it's just like a lot of work. So right now it's just audio and you can, uh, yeah, it's it's connected to my main channel. So you can like look at like other channels or whatever. And then it's just on there or just go more money podcast YouTube and you'll you'll find it. You'll find it there. So to tease who I have on the show next week, it's a friend of mine. I've known her for gosh. Okay. How long have I been blogging? I think 12 years. I think I've known her for as long as I've had my blog because we kind of came up at the same time. And she was a very early guest on my podcast when I started this. She was on the show back in February 2016. And oh my gosh, it is crazy to think how our lives have changed since then. I mean, a lot has happened in that time frame and really good things. You know, it's exciting to see, oh, look at look at where we were and look at where we are now. And she's just been doing so many incredible things. I'm talking about Stephanie O'Connell Rodriguez. She started out similar to me, a personal finance blogger, but she's kind of pivoted and I'm, I'm in love with her content now to really talk about ambition and women. And that is what we're going to focus on next week. And I cannot wait to share such an incredible episode. So you're going to love it. So stick around for next week's episode. It is going to be amazing. But uh, with that, I'm going to have to to leave you. Love you and leave you. Big shout out to my podcast editor, Matt Rideout. And yeah, have a good rest of your week. You know, stay safe. Uh, You know, it's cold season or flu season or COVID season. You know, people have been getting it again, you know, so just be be cautious. Wash your hands and, you know, do all the things. Um, But yeah, I will see you here next Wednesday. And uh, until then, well, you know, enjoy your life. All right, bye. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.